You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. The NL West is still somewhat of a tight race, um, basically because no one is running away with it, and the Padres are kind of at the bottom of the division, but still within striking distance of making this interesting. So uh, let's talk to A.J. Casabell about that a little bit. I'm Allison Sutter. Um, A.J., I like the story you had recently on um, just kind of some of the things that are ailing the Padres. Obviously, we know this is a a developing team. Um, They're still trying to get to where they want to be, and they're not quite there yet. But um, part of what's going on is that they're not really making the pitchers work a whole lot, which is characteristic of a team that's either young, struggling, or a little bit of both. Um, But what have you found, like, through your research and just crunching the numbers on that end? Well, I mean, essentially – they're, they're striking out a lot, and they're not walking a lot. And to me, strikeouts aren't necessarily a problem. Obviously, you want to be making contact. But when you're striking out with, without the walk, then it becomes a, a major issue. Because I, ideally, if you're striking out, at least you're, you're working some counts, you're getting on base, you're getting pitchers out of the game early. I think through 41 games now, the Padres have had 30 pitchers go at least six innings against them, which... Uh, uh, comparatively speaking, they've only done so 21 times. So that, that's, that in and of itself is a problem. Um, the biggest thing is they're just not working deep enough at bats. And you look at last night, or you look at the game Tuesday as an example, uh, Johnny Cueto versus Drew Pomerantz, both of them are very good pitchers. Uh, Drew Pomerantz was out of the game after six innings with 107 pitches. Johnny Cueto goes all nine and needs 117 pitches. Now the Giants are fouling balls off, working deep counts, and Pomerantz has to leave early. And they get into the bullpen. The Padres' bullpen's been good of late, but uh, obviously the goal is to get into other teams' bullpens early. And Johnny Cueto, I think maybe uh, Melvin Upton, he's been the Padres' kind of uh, lone bright spot in that regard, working, working counts, getting on base, uh, working walks. Uh, he was the only one that really did that against Cueto, and and that's become an issue. They've now been they've, they've now had a complete game thrown against them twice in a row. Obviously, like you said, that's a lot of times what happens with a young offense or with a struggling offense. Um, you, you, you want to throw the pitcher out of his rhythm, and the Padres just haven't been able to do that. Yeah, and it's not like things are going to get easier for them. I mean, they do play, even though this division is um, showing some signs of, like, just overall weakness as far as starting the season, when it comes right down to it, there's three extremely good teams in this division, in the Dodgers, Giants, and Diamondbacks. So it's not like they can just sort of wait it out and hope to play some of the lesser teams and pad the wins. I mean, they're going to have to figure out how to do things against some very good pitchers. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's a lot of pitchers in this division that kind of that can kind of prey off that weakness that the Padres have. Last night, Johnny Cueto, Andy Green said after the game that Cueto, that Buster Posey was setting up basically off the plate half the time, and the Padres were swinging at misses on pitches that were an inch off the plate. Uh, the whole division is Clayton Kershaw, Zach Greinke, uh, Madison Bumgarner, that's, Bumgarner maybe to a lesser extent, are that same kind of pitcher where if you're going to be aggressive, they know that, and they'll, they'll make sure to throw the ball an inch or two off the play where you think it's a strike, and if not, you end up swinging and missing. Uh, and, and that's been the Padres' problem for most of the season through the lineup up and down. That's, I mean, Will Myers and Matt Kemp have had stretches, hit the ball really well, but even they haven't been able to necessarily uh, work deeper counts and, and get on base uh, via the walk. So I'm trying to figure out your, the uh, the infield here. I just can't figure it out. But Amory says coming off the disabled list. So can we just go over quickly, like, what's the dynamic there in the infield? And 
Um, I wanted to talk about Brett Wallace, and I looked at his numbers, and I was like, eh, those aren't very good numbers. But what's, uh, how do we see the infield kind of shaping up moving forward? Well, Brett Wallace is actually – he's he got off to such a slow start because he wasn't really playing every day. He's actually been better since then. Uh, but he's not an everyday third baseman. Jan Hervis Solarte is uh, – he will be rehabbing the, uh, over the weekend with AAA, and they're hopeful he, gets, he comes back next week so they can kind of – and when he comes back, I, I expect you'll still see Brett Wallace at third base occasionally. They want to get that in the lineup against certain right-handed pitchers. Uh, but – when Solarte comes back, that'll be helpful. Uh, Amarista can now kind of move to second base. Essentially, during spring training, Jose Perello was an outfielder, and Brett Wallace was the first baseman. And they had played second base, in Perello's case second base, in Wallace's case third base. They had played those positions in the past, but they didn't take any reps at either of those positions during spring training. And now you get into the regular season, and you get four infielders hurt, four infielders on the disabled list, and Perello's playing second base. Wallace was playing third, where they didn't spend any time at all during spring training. It's been that kind of year on the injury front. But it it, it seems to be getting better. Amarista came off the disabled list. Uh, he's the first of the ten players that have gone on the DL this year. And uh, I suspect Solarte will come back soon, which will provide a – that'll be a pretty significant boost, I think, uh, more so than Amarista. And a little other, some other news on some um, injury on the injury front. Just a couple of setbacks that are kind of disconcerting here. So Morrow uh, was extended, uh, sent to extended spring with shoulder fatigue. Corey Spangenberg, um, so he re-injured his quad while running. So I guess neither one. We shouldn't expect to see either one of these guys back anytime soon. No, and in Spangenberg's case, he's just basically back to square one. He's Ever, all the kind of work that he put in uh, since he went down, I want to say, toward the end of April, he's it kind of reset. And you can reset his clock. He was If they expected him to get back in two more weeks from now, we'll do the math. It's probably another month, month and a half. Uh, Morrow's case is a lot more up in the air because they've, they've noticed what they call shoulder fatigue, and they think they can fix whatever's causing it in his delivery but the question is, how long is the shoulder fatigue going to linger, and do they need to get it checked out? Uh, I don't know. I don't think they know that answer yet. They moved him to extended uh, spring training to kind of ease him off a little bit. Uh, I think the original goal was just for was just for Morrow to be able to work because he hasn't pitched in a, in in big league games since last May. It was just for him to be able to work without having to get batters out, without having to deal with a game, you know. Uh, and obviously, he's kind of have a setback, and we don't know. We we don't really know what the next step is with him. Yeah, I mean, when I see extended spring, it's it's just a I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't be a red flag for me, but it is a red flag for me because it just sounds like it's like we just don't really know what to do with you at this point. Um, and it just seems bleak on the on the rehab front, or especially when it's, you're talking about a pitcher's shoulder or his elbow. Um, I mean, extended spring is the perfect place to be, and when you just need to just work on trying to get stronger. Um, but at the same time, and that's got to send up some red flags. Yeah, and obviously, it's never good when a guy has shoulder surgery and then right. uh, eight months later he has shoulder fatigue. So you hope you're hopeful that there's no further surgery required. But uh, at this point, I don't know if anyone really knows. So, okay, so the All-Star game is coming there. And I know that we're a couple months away from that, um, but let's kind of talk a little bit about that. Just uh, Do you feel a buzz around the team? Do you, do you see things? Are they? I don't know. Do they spruce up like one of the most perfect ballparks?
ballparks in the league. Um, do they need to do anything? I mean, they have the perfect city and a great ballpark, and I'm not sure that much needs to be done to, like, try to impress people coming in town uh, to San Diego, which is like a utopia. Uh, but are, do, you, do you see some things around the ballpark that are getting ready for the All-Star game? Uh, I mean, they've, they've made some improvements to the ballpark, but I'm not so sure it was necessarily as a result of the All-Star game. Uh, one, I mean, one thing that I think will be cool, they kind of they have a uh, beach area. I don't know, the sandbox that used to be there last year and now is, is kind of like, like a craft beer pier. Uh, and for me, the home run, the, the Peckle Park is the perfect place for the home run derby because there are so many different places where baseballs can land. Uh, in terms of what... In terms of what the club's doing to kind of spruce it up for the All-Star game, like you said, it's San Diego. I'm not so sure there's a whole lot they need to do for the in for the people who will be incoming. Uh, but I mean, you see signs downtown, and you see signs throughout Peco Park, uh, kind of pumping the All-Star game and, and getting people excited. And people are talking about it. Uh, it's kind of, I mean, it's been an injury-riddled kind of rough start to the season for the Padres, but people here are are kind of buzzing a little bit about the All-Star game. Yeah, oh, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like Cincinnati last year. I mean, there was a lot that was being done downtown. Uh, they were, they had started the improvements on the ballpark years ago, um, trying to get it, trying to get the All Star game there, and then trying to get ready for it. But yeah, like San Diego. I mean, what what do you need to do mm-hmm. there? Uh, maybe lower the prices of those craft beers a little bit. But other than that, I'm not complaining. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, AJ. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.